Madeline, welcome to the Share Your Grief podcast. I appreciate you coming on and taking the time. If you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself, however you feel to the audience. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be one of your first guests on this new awesome podcast. But I'm Madeline Popelka. I'm a writer, a trauma survivor, a mental health advocate, and the creator of Healing from PTSD on Instagram, where I share about my experiences of healing from trauma. And I'm also the author of You're Going to Be Okay, 16 Lessons on Healing After Trauma. And I am dedicated to helping other trauma survivors feel less alone in their struggles. That's amazing. Feeling less alone is very powerful. And we don't really realize it until we're going through something. Absolutely, because it can be so isolating when you're struggling. You feel like you're the only person in the world who's going through what you're going through and just knowing that there are other people out there who have felt the same way or have been going through the same struggles is it can make you feel like you're like less damaged, like there isn't something inherently wrong with you if other people are going through it too. Definitely. When did you decide that you wanted to write this book? Was there a moment? Was there a time? You want to sort of almost work back to the root of the book and where it came from. But a, a lot of people go through, unfortunately, terrible things in their life. And I think either we become stronger or we let despair and grief swallow us. And I think clearly you're trying to bring something positive out of a very dark place. And so what was there a moment or what spurred you being like, I want to write a book about my experiences? I think similarly to your story and a lot of other people who have been through really hard life experiences, like something very personal led me to this place. So I went through several traumatic experiences throughout my life, but because they weren't quote unquote, that bad, and they could have been worse. I buried my pain and just tried to move on. And this happened starting from a young age around when I was seven years old. So I went through a bunch of traumatic experiences throughout my life. And then about five years ago, after I'd been burying my pain for decades, it all caught up to me. And I started to suffer from severe trauma symptoms and it completely disrupted my life. Like I couldn't work, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't care for myself, I couldn't hold conversations with others. And then I was ultimately diagnosed with PTSD. And when I received that diagnosis, I was really ashamed. So I kept my struggles a secret. And I suffered in isolation because I thought that I was damaged and I was worried other people would think that I was damaged too. So I just hid it all and kept it a secret from everyone, my friends and family. And I was desperate to find a path toward healing. And I turned to books and other resources out there, but a lot of it, a lot of PTSD resources are catered toward 
combat veterans, which yeah. I am not. And so there were spaces where I didn't feel like I was welcome or seen. And that's what led me to start healing from PTSD on Instagram, a space for all sorts of trauma survivors, no matter what sort of traumatic experience they've been through, just to help others feel less alone, to feel they aren't the only ones going through it. And I could only do this once I got to a certain point in my healing journey. Like yeah. I had to feel stable enough to be able to put myself out there in a way. So, yeah. but once I felt like I was able to do that, I started sharing my story on Instagram and it resonated with so many people. And I was so surprised because most people have been through a traumatic experience and we might not see it as trauma because it's not the most devastating or severe experience out there, but they can still impact us in huge ways. So it resonated with a lot of people. And then that's what led me to write the book where I could like delve into topics in much more detail since, you know, on social media, it's very surface level. You can't really have in-depth conversations on there so yeah that's the story behind the book <laughs> awesome I, I think one of the things that really seems to be a theme that i hear something i discussed briefly on my previous podcast is it's almost like comparison syndrome where because what we've been through isn't as bad as what we've heard somebody else go through or what or something that we know of somebody who has gone through and we're like well my thing isn't as bad as their thing and then we minimize that to ourselves so we don't acknowledge it as something that we need to heal from and we just sort of be like no, no it's not important and that just <laughs> is just the very wrong initial reaction that we're sort of programmed in a way to make that initial reaction of like oh things aren't that bad yes it's so true i have a chapter in my book dedicated to comparison because that's one thing that kept me from healing for so many years because I'm the daughter of a refugee from Vietnam who had a highly, highly traumatic past. So the sum of my experiences in comparison to like what my mom went through yeah. seems insignificant. So I've been playing this comparison game for like my entire life and even my mom has said no you have a good life compared to me which is completely true yeah. and at the same time these traumatic experiences that aren't that bad still impacted me in a major way so yeah comparison kept me from healing for so long and I mean I went through a traumatic experience with a friend but it actually happened to her she experienced it directly and I was the one witnessing it. So I was like, I felt like I didn't have permission to be traumatized by that experience because she had it worse. So it's like, yeah, comparison. It's like, as you said, it's just comes like so naturally yeah. for so many of us and noticing that we're doing it is so important and just really being in tune with how our experiences impact us regardless of whether others have had it worse is really the key to being able to focusing and investing in your healing yeah i definitely agree i think 
one of the things that um, in that vein is I think it is a luxury that we have that your mother is a refugee. She didn't have the luxury of healing. She had to provide a life for you. Like that wasn't an option. And I think Absolutely. what a lot of people do is they're like, they don't put that into perspective. It's like they made those sacrifices. These people in your life who have had it harder, like they made those sacrifices so you can have the luxury of doing the work on yourself to feel better. Like that's, absolutely that was a sacrifice that was made. And I think it's a way to look at it that allows you to, it allows you to heal. Give yourself permission to heal. A lot of people just, they don't give themselves the permission because they're like, oh, yeah. it's not that bad. It's not, you know, this person, this, this, this. If we look at it like a sacrifice for us to heal, more so mm -hmm. than like comparison, I feel like that might be a, a way to look at it that might help people. I think a lot of in the realm of comparison, a lot of things that I've noticed a lot of people fall into, myself included, is like, because others have had it worse, we feel like they have a right to healing more than us, yeah. right? Yeah. But I think that when we're our best selves, we're in a better position to give to others. If you're struggling it's really hard to show up for yourself and show up for others. So I think that healing is a lot an act of love for ourselves and others. Yeah. So it's like when you invest in your healing and you get yourself to a position where you are more stable, you aren't just trying to get by, you're not just trying to survive, yeah. then you're in a better position to help others who are struggling as well. Yeah. If you don't mind, would you like to share a little bit more information about some of these traumatic experiences, if that's okay? Yeah. So as I said, my story, like I've been through a bunch of different traumatic experiences and my story is kind of complicated because my childhood trauma to survive, to continue living, I had to block the memories out so those didn't come back to me until i was like 29 30 years old so they come back to me pretty recently but what happened when i was a kid as i said my mom's from vietnam in vietnam corporal punishment was the norm when it came to discipline and in america she knew that hitting kids was not an acceptable form of discipline she was beat daily. That's how it was for her. She knew that it wasn't acceptable here in the U.S. So she wouldn't, she wouldn't beat me, but she would threaten to beat me and would chase me around the house with a broom and would hit it against the door or the bed frame or something that wasn't me just to scare me into behaving better and when that happened to me, I just thought that it was because I was a bad kid. It really instilled this belief that there was something wrong with me. And that's why I was treated like that, because I was a bad kid. So it instilled these beliefs that I carried with me throughout my life and ones that I'm still unlearning and still challenging and still trying to break down because I've held on to them for decades. Yeah. I struggled with my mental health when I was a teenager, but I didn't have the language or the knowledge to really 
talk about it. I just, again, thought that I was a bad person and I ended up attempting suicide when I was 20 years old, which I will not discuss the details there, but that was also a traumatic experience being in a place, being in that place. I mean, even now, just going back and thinking about that time of my life makes me incredibly sad. And it's definitely still like triggering to think about. In college, I was sexually assaulted, but I wasn't raped. So again, I didn't try to forget about it and tried to move on. And then in my late 20s, when I was living in San Francisco, I ran for my life as a man chased me down the street. And I thought, he was going to attack me. There was a moment when I was like, okay, this is it. He's going to get me. And I was just bracing myself for the worst. But I ended up walking out of that experience untouched. So again, tried to forget about it and tried to move on. And then the last traumatic experience that really set off my PTSD symptoms was when I was out with my friend and her drink was roofied and she was drugged and sexually assaulted by someone that I knew. And I witnessed the aftermath of it and heard the graphic details from her afterward. And because she was my friend, seeing her in pain added to my pain, Mm -hmm. like, because I care about this person. And So that was the last traumatic experience that really brought out. And I was experiencing PTSD symptoms before that. But after that, it was really just like the last, (laughs) it was the last straw. It was six months after that. It was like all of the PTSD symptoms, insomnia, nightmares, multiple nights a week, panic attacks. It all came up and like an explosion. Yeah. Well, first off, thank you for sharing that, because I know it's not easy to share that. I think a lot of people, specifically a lot of women, can relate to that story. When I say that story, I mean everything you said. I think there's a lot that we don't discuss enough. Uh, Being a teenage woman, a girl in general, sounds like a nightmare to me, like as somebody who knows about it, but didn't have to experience (laughs) it. Like, I can't imagine what that's like emotionally, and I know it's very difficult. Compiled, like add on to that all these other experiences that statistically a lot of women experience. And that's like, I very much appreciate you sharing this because I know that there's definitely going to be a lot of people who listen to this who can relate to that story. And I think it's super powerful to share, even when it's something that's not, it could have been worse. There's so much power in having that it could have been worse because then you start thinking about how it could have been worse. Like it's like both scenarios are bad. And obviously one is in the moment is, is worse, but like we need to shine a light on the mental ramifications of the experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's very powerful. So I appreciate that. Thanks. And it seems like we get to a point in our lives where all these things come back. <laughs> you know, it's almost like we're, filling up our hard drive of negative things and we can only hold so much before we before we can move forward we can't address it anymore we can only hold so much and then if us on like what you're saying it just crashes you like you we crash our systems like not able to it's like our body's telling us hey 
we need to address this because we can't do this. Exactly. I know that's exactly it. Trauma compounds like all these, even if they seem like little, quote unquote, small experiences, they can add up. And like you said, if you don't give it your attention, if you continue just burying it, it'll come back. Your trauma will remind you in one way or another, whether it's through panic attacks or severe anxiety, our bodies and minds will be signaling us to be like, hey, pay attention to this. Yeah. This needs healing. Yeah. I like to say that there's always a physical manifestation of emotional distress mm. uh, in one way or the other. So you either address mm-hmm. it or it's going to come out physically in a way. Right. You can't sleep. You can't eat properly. It'll affect you physically. You just don't know. Absolutely. You've gone through a lot of these things. Even somebody who's gone through one of these things, I hope they listen to this and realize like, even that is something that needs to be talked about in their life with somebody. Because even just one of these things can cause a form of PTSD, a form of emotional distress that might not be on that conscious layer, but it's sitting right beneath it. Absolutely. And I mean, I truly believe that if I had, again, I had no knowledge of like trauma or anything when I was going through these things, knowing what I know now, if I could go back in time and just not stop the experiences from happening, because that's not possible. But if I could have paid attention to what happened And if I had taken some time to heal those wounds as they were coming up, I don't think it would have affected me in the way that it did when it all exploded in a series of panic attacks and led me to not be able to work and sleep and do anything. I don't think that it would have been so intense because I would have been, it wouldn't have gotten to the threshold where it all just came out at once. I would have been taking care of it as it was kind of coming up. So that's why I'm really passionate about talking about how healing from quote unquote, small traumatic experiences is incredibly important. Like it doesn't have to be the worst traumatic experience out there for you to pay attention and to take some time to heal those wounds. I think it is like the best thing a person can do is to address these wounds before it gets to the point when it starts causing problems in every area of your life and you can't work and sleep and function. So when you had the, I need to address this stuff moment, what was some of the first things you did that helped you process or move forward or what were some of those first things because i think that's an issue a lot of people have is maybe they're not comfortable yet going to find a therapist or something maybe is there one or two things that you can think of that like helped you initially that are very might be approachable for somebody who's listening to this for me i was so disconnected from my trauma that i and because a lot of my symptoms were physical. I could physically feel them. I thought 
that there was something physically wrong with me. I mean, with severe anxiety and panic attacks, you're, you're like, am I dying? Yeah. So I went through the whole process of going to doctors, getting blood work done and all that. And they were like, you know, you're perfectly healthy physically. So I had to go through that whole process to try to figure it out by myself. But if someone in the early stages, when I could not sleep, and my anxiety was through the roof and I could not work, I needed medication to function because you cannot function if you are not sleeping. Absolutely, everyone should listen to their body and their doctors and everything. But if you're at the point when you cannot carry out your life and you can't do anything, I think it's definitely worth looking into because even... I wouldn't have been able to do a lot of the work in therapy if I didn't have that little extra help to help me get to a state because when you're so anxious and like you're not sleeping, it's hard to even take in what you're doing in therapy. So that honestly played a huge role for me. And then I would say like if someone isn't at the point where they want to go get professional help yet, whether from a therapist or a psychiatrist for medication to just i think self-awareness plays a huge role in healing and it's really helpful when you do decide to go to therapy and everything so i would say to just start taking note of like your symptoms in your thoughts and feelings and just to try to build that awareness Because as I said, I was so disconnected with my past trauma and what was happening in my body. It felt like it just came out of nowhere. But now I've developed the skills for self-awareness. I'm more in tune with myself, which has been so critical on my healing journey. So I think that that is a really great place for people to start to just start being more aware of your thoughts and feelings and how these things are connected. And then at that point, it'll be easier to relay information to your therapist, to your partner, to whoever else is going to be supporting you as you heal. Do you journal or write things down as part of that? Because you you say take notes. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely recommend that people write these things down, especially when you're like tracking your symptoms and stuff like that. It can be really helpful to go to a place where you can like flip back to like an earlier stage and then like compare where you were from one week to another. I mean, I think that just self-reflection, it plays a role in healing as well. So having that there and then again, just making it easier to relay information to to other people journaling can be a really helpful tool for tool for that and i journaling has played a huge role in my healing journey i mean i am a writer and writing has been healing for me in so many ways but even to just journal to dump out your thoughts and feelings and i think for me doing a dump in a journal like that it can release so much for me and so i use that as a coping tool 
to just don't, don't worry about spelling, spelling grammar, grammar, doesn't matter how the sentence is, if, if the sentences are even put together, just dumping everything in a journal without worrying about any of that can be a huge release and can help you feel better immediately. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I think when I talked before about there's a physical manifestation of emotional grief, in a parallel, there's something very powerful of releasing something physically, whether it's writing or speaking or you know whatever's in there. The physical manifestation of it, once again, mm. is connected back there. So if there's a release, yeah. then yeah. it's quite powerful. Because of this journey you've been on and this journey of healing and a lot of self-awareness and reflection, have you brought that back to your relationship with your mother? Because obviously there's a lot that's connected there and she probably hasn't had the, the refugee stories, obviously it's very difficult and she's had her struggles clearly. Have you brought that back to that relationship to her and, and how has that relationship changed? Yeah, so I mean, when I decided to write this book, I initially was not planning on bringing the story of my childhood and my mom into it because I was so worried about jeopardizing the relationship. I was worried that I'd be disowned in a way for bringing light to the story. But I know people who have gone through experiences with their parents and have had abusive caregivers or maybe in a completely different situation. I think if someone chooses not to have a relationship with a caregiver who has been harmful, that is completely valid. For me personally, I have seen this from a place of compassion because my mom has had a traumatic past. She was beat regularly. She did escape her country and face starvation and has been through horrible experiences. And you were kind of talking about before healing. It would have been a luxury for her that it was so out of reach. She was just focused on survival. So it's like, I do have so much compassion for my mom. And I know that she didn't understand how her actions, even just threatening to beat me, she didn't understand how that could have impacted me psychologically. So I do have a lot of compassion for her. And when I wrote this book, I interviewed her about her story, so I share a little bit of it in there because it relates to my story because intergenerational trauma is real, not just environmentally, like the way that she raised me, you know, the way that her parents raised her and disciplined her influenced the way that she disciplined me, but also her traumatic past is also encoded within my DNA too and you know there's a lot of like emerging research around that as well so there's that and I've been wanting to have a stronger relationship with my mom because I want to have her support and bringing up all of this stuff from the past 
she has acknowledged that she didn't know better back then and she admits to her mistakes and has acknowledged that she was just trying to survive she was adjusting to life in a new country and she didn't know that threatening to beat your kid could traumatize them and it was really hard bringing this up to her and honestly i probably wouldn't have done it if i I wouldn't have done it so soon, I would say, if I weren't writing a book on it and I wanted information from her, I had to talk to her about it. You know, it's been a slow sort of journey, repairing the relationship and getting it to a place where I want it to be, where I feel supported. But I will say that talking to her about trauma is hard because she does like to play the comparison game reminds me that I'm incredibly privileged to be growing up in America, which is 100% true. It's been hard, but I've been going through a lot of big life changes lately and that I was like scared about like talking to her about and she was incredibly supportive and I like felt the most loved by her than I had ever felt at 32 years old. So it's like, I'm happy that I'm getting to that place with my mom and putting the emotional work into this and having the hard conversations for me personally has been paying off. That's amazing that you're willing to have those conversations. I think not only is it tough to have those conversations, but I think it's something that a lot of people have an issue with is realizing that their parents are just humans and like infallible. I mean, that's what we're sort of meant to do is put our parents on pedestals. But then I think we grow up and we realize they're just people trying to figure out shit just like we are. And totally. if we're lucky enough to take that step towards self-awareness and, and healing, it might not be something that they've had the luxury to do or the self-awareness to do. And I think that a big step towards our own healing is forgiveness for them not necessarily being perfect. I think it's important for, for relationships, especially within family. Family is beautiful, but also very tough and can totally. be very difficult. And I think it's really brave of you to try to get it towards where you want it to be, the relationship with your mother. I think it's very powerful. Yeah. Thank you. And I mean, I went through a lot of therapy to get me to the position where I felt like stable enough to even have those conversations. Because again, I couldn't go at it when I'm in a place where I'm still struggling with these things myself. I had to get to a certain point in my healing journey where I was like, okay, if this doesn't go well, am I going to be able to pick myself back up from this? And until, until the answer was yes, yes, I was like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, small steps for everyone listening. Exactly. This journey is small steps, one step at a time. We don't tackle mental health in one hour. <laughs> oh, yes, no. <laughs> so is there anything else you'd like to discuss about your book? Because I like what we covered and I don't want to take up too much of your time. Yeah, yeah so I mean, I will say that... It is a book that I needed to read when I was struggling in isolation, and I wrote it for other trauma survivors to help them feel less alone, and yeah, this is it. 
It's called You're Going to Be Okay, 16 Lessons on Healing After Trauma. And in it, I share the 16 lessons that I learned as I was healing from trauma that I wish I knew sooner. And the insights that shifted my perspective and reduced my shame. I had so much shame. So um, a lot of work around shame in here. And I hope that it'll do the same for readers. And I really want it to be a companion that a trauma survivor can have as they heal to comfort them on their healing journeys, to help them feel less alone in their struggles. Because again, it's like going through trauma and healing from it can be so isolating and not everyone gets it. So I hope that by sharing my story of trauma and healing, it gives other trauma survivors hope. And I hope that they can see that there is a path forward for them and that healing is possible. Amen to all that. Uh, no, I, I love it. I think the most powerful thing is sharing trauma, sharing grief. It's probably the most important part of this journey, in my opinion. I think it's the most powerful. People can find your book on Amazon, right? Is there anywhere yeah. else? Yes, anywhere books are sold, books are Amazon, sold. Barnes & Noble, your favorite local indie bookstore. I love supporting local bookstores. So yeah, you can get it wherever books are sold. And it's out in the US, the UK, Canada, and Australia. And if anyone wants to get in touch with me or see my work, they can go to my website, madelinepopelka.com, or check out my Instagram, which is Healing from PTSD. Awesome. Well, Madeline, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and having a chat. And uh, we're going to wrap it up. So, yeah. Uh, thank you so much. It was a great conversation.